The Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, tells us the story of this woman who really didn't plan to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, but that's what she ended up having. In chapter 5, Mark writes, a large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus, and there was a woman there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she'd spent everything she had. And instead of getting better, she grew worse. For 12 years, this woman suffered. She could have this debilitating illness and just not get better. And in that society, anybody who had this an open wound or this problem with bleeding was called unclean. And anybody who touched her was also called unclean. And that label on her life had huge implications. According to Old Testament law, she couldn't have any contact with her husband. She couldn't hang out with her friends. She couldn't go to her place of worship. She was barred from entering. As if being tired of having this disease wasn't bad enough. So for 12 years, she lived in hopelessness. as She just simply faded into the margins of society. How long do you think you could survive in a desperate situation like that? I'm told we can live three weeks without food. We can go three days without water. We can go three minutes without oxygen. They've never been able to measure how long a soul can survive without hope. Uh, good morning, everybody. You know, it is, it's one of those sad truths that's just inevitable in life. Sooner or later, something, someone is going to disappoint us. We won't get the diagnosis or the job or the relationship that we wanted. For 108 years, if you looked up the word disappointment in the dictionary, you would see the Cubs logo right beside the word, right? I just find it incredibly ironic that a message on hope is today. Right after clinching the NLCS, then only God knows what they'll do in the World Series, right? Money, power, influence, our networks, our friends, our family, all of those resources in life can help us for a while, but sooner or later, something in life is going to happen that will rip the band-aids off. And we're going to have this open wound exposed. And we need hope. question is, where will we find hope when that happens? I have to imagine that after 12 years of being sick, this woman had tried everything to get well. You know she had. I mean, if you've ever been seriously ill or had been around somebody that has, you know the drill, right? They're sick, family, friends, strangers on the street will walk up to you if you are seriously ill and tell you, oh my gosh, I had a father, a mother, a sibling, a friend who had what you've got, and they died. I mean, it's at that moment you know that person does not have the gift of encouragement, Right? For about 10 years, I've struggled with chronic headaches, and I wish I'd kept a list of everything that had been suggested to me to cure it. I mean, yoga and acupuncture, which is, to me, would be worse than a headache, 
Um, all the stuff I've been told I should eat, that I should drink, the things I should do to get rid of my headaches. I even my doctor, my doctor told me in his office one day, you need to become a daily drinker. <laughs> he said, it's, it's better for you than a lot of the prescriptions and it'll have the same effect. I went, Seriously, doc? Really? You want me to start drinking? You know, if you think about this woman that Mark describes, she had suffered a great deal at the hands of doctors, and she had not gotten better. The Talmud is this ancient book that contains the Jewish doctrines and laws and gives us an insight into some of the treatment courses her doctors may have prescribed for her. One of the remedies consisted of taking a goblet of wine and putting in it a mixture of rubber and alum and garden crocuses. It's like, really? I mean, what were they hoping? That that sludge at the bottom of the wine would just stop your bleeding when it hits your veins and clog you up completely? There, was, there were others. Uh, another treatment said the woman would have to eat Persian onions that had been cooked in wine. That didn't sound too bad, right? Up to that point, it was worse things. But then you had to drink it while the doctor was standing over you and said, arise out of your flow of blood. Really? That's medicine? Feels more like a, some kind of a magic spell out of Harry Potter movie than it does medicine. Other physicians said, well, you needed some kind of a sudden shock to cure your bleeding. You know, it sounds more like they're treating hiccups. Or... This is the weirdest one to me of all. Your bleeding would stop if you took the ash from an ostrich egg and carried around in this very specific sack. I don't know, maybe it was from Crate and Barrel. But this very specific sack had to be used, and you put the ash of an ostrich egg in it, and, carry, and that's going to cure your bleeding. So let me understand this. I'm weak. I'm debilitated from my illness. And now I have to go chasing an ostrich until I find her nest, fight this big ugly bird to get one of her eggs, burn it, and no thanks. I mean, is it any wonder this woman was, that was somebody just Googling ostrich eggs. Um, Is it any wonder that she's worn out? She's discouraged from all she's been through. She's heard everything and tried most of it, and she's desperate. She put her faith in a lot of people and a lot of things, searching for hope, until she heard about Jesus. Word had traveled. Mark tells us earlier in his gospel that people were coming to Jesus and just touching his clothing. They were healed. So think about what went through that woman's mind. When a friend said, I've heard about this traveling teacher who's supposedly healing people. After everything she'd been through, could she risk hoping one more time? When life seems to have us by the throat, if we're honest, what we're looking for is not hope. Hope can fail us. What we want is answers. We want assurances. We want guarantees when life's got us by the throat. Philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard said, at that point, we're all like schoolboys who want to look up the answers in the back of the book instead of working it through. 
but we have to work it through. It's the way life works. We've got to work through our doubts, our feelings. Come to the place where we believe in someone or something in order to have hope, because hope is linked to faith. It has to be tied to something. A cure, a breakthrough, trust, something. Or hope dies. Paul writes and says in Romans, hope that's seen isn't really hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we don't yet have, then we wait for it patiently. Hope is built on a foundation of faith. And that foundation needs to be solid, needs to be unshakable. So what is it you believe in this morning? You believe in your ability to plan and prepare? You believe in your influence, your power, your family, your friends, your financial portfolio? What is it that you believe in so much that you're willing to risk everything on it? Whatever she'd hurt, whatever she knew about Jesus, it stirred faith in her and gave her hope. Facing Jesus honestly couldn't be any worse than drinking that wine cocktail or eating Persian onions, right? So she takes a bold step. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she just touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And Mark says, immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt it in her body that she'd been freed from all of her suffering. Don't miss the faith that it took for this woman to just take her first steps towards Jesus. She was forbidden to be in public settings, and now she puts herself in a crowd that Luke describes in his gospel as being so intense that it nearly crushed Jesus. She was weak. She was frail. She knew she was forbidden to be in that public place, and in spite of all that, she pushes her way through the crowd, gets close enough to Jesus. She had hope even after all she'd been through. I love the honesty in the stories in Scripture. It doesn't say she had a perfect hope. This was just baby steps of hope. And it was mingled with fear. You can sense that. You can see that. Because she just so diminishes her expectations. I don't have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to draw attention to myself. I don't want to make a scene out of this. I just want to touch his clothes. That's all. Her hope comes from an authentic place, from an honest place, from a vulnerable place. The Bible doesn't say that she had it all figured out and sorted out in her head, that she believed that Jesus was God's Son, that she believed He was the Messiah, If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Our story teaches us that our hope starts small and grows when we act on what little faith we've got. She acted. And she touched Jesus' outer coat and she could feel the healing take place in her body immediately. And before she could tell anybody, before She could even go home. Before she could say a word, her cover was blown. 
And once Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him, and he turned around in the crowd and he says, who touched my clothes? (laughs) The disciples were really confused. They were clueless about what had just taken place between Jesus and this woman. And so you could just hear their answer. Seriously, Jesus? That's a literal translation of the Greek. Seriously, Jesus? You are being surrounded by hundreds of people. You are nearly crushed by this crowd. And you ask who touched you? It's an easy answer, Jesus. Everybody touched you. But Jesus knew something different had taken place. And so he kept searching for this woman. He kept looking around to see who had done this. Why did he seek her out? I mean, why draw attention to this marginalized woman in the middle of this massive crowd? But he did, and eventually she knew she couldn't get away. She couldn't escape. And so the woman, knowing what happened to her, came and fell at Jesus' feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. It's it's uncalled for. It's unusual in this culture for a woman to speak out in public. And beyond that now, she's got to not just say what happened. She's got to tell her story. She's got to explain how sick she is, what she's been experiencing. And before she can even explain why she touched Jesus, she's got to air all her dirty laundry. Why not just let it go, Jesus? Seriously. Because God is not done with this woman. He looked at her and he said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be free from your suffering. She needed more from Jesus than she realized. Kind of where most of us are. She'd been impoverished by her illness. She was a despised and solitary woman. And if Jesus hadn't made her healing known, she would have continued to live in the prejudice and the scorn she's experienced for 12 years. It was love that drove Jesus to single her out. And in his love, he would not allow her to to just slip away and remain anonymous. She's filled with awe. She's filled with gratitude. She's filled with fear. She doesn't completely understand what's happened to her, and now she realizes God is not done at the point of healing. And so Jesus sends her off with what she really needed most in life. Peace. He says, go in peace. And this isn't just a way to wrap up the conversation. Jesus isn't just saying, hey, Good talking with you. Nice to meet you. Have a great life. It is a very specific word that Jesus uses. Shalom. God's peace. Wholeness. Well-being. Security. She has her community restored. She's been saved. Jesus forces the issue, draws her out of the crowd so that when she leaves, everyone knows she's healed. All of her suffering is over. She's no longer defined in her life by her illness or her isolation. She is defined by a hope that is anchored firmly in Jesus and what he has done for this grace-starved woman. I read stories like this 
in the Bible, and I'm amazed at them. I'm also curious, why? Why are they included? Seriously, three of the four gospel writers include this story about this woman, and it's sandwiched between two miracles that seem far greater. Just before Jesus has done this, he's cast multiple demons out of this man who lives in obscurity. Sets him free. He is on his way to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. This story is actually an interruption in the middle of another story. Why? Why bother to tell this to us? Again, Paul, writing in the book of Romans, says all this stuff that's written in the past is written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures by these stories and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Why it's there. It's the best reason I have ever seen for picking up the Bible and reading its stories throughout the Old and New Testament is because they're written there for us to give us hope. Hers is a story of real struggle and real endurance and real weakness in her life, of human heartache and pain. And as we read it, we learn how the mercy and the compassion and the power of our Jesus triumphs over every hopeless situation. Her story is so real, so relatable, that it gives us guess is that your story has taken some turns you didn't expect. That your heart is carrying some hurts you didn't think you'd have to carry in life. That you've traveled some roads you didn't think you'd walk. Hope is believing, like this woman's story, that God is not done with you final chapter of your story and mine has not been written. We have hope. Jesus' own words from the Gospel of Matthew tell us this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Even with the tiniest bit of faith, Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, Jesus says. Work with me and watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I promise you, Jesus says, I won't lay anything on you that's heavy or ill-fitting company with me and you'll learn how to live freely lightly come to Jesus trust him with that burden you've been carrying him carrying around trust him with your pain come to Jesus and find 